Whistleblower Report, exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. For such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report from Truth for Health Foundation. This is Dr. Lee for America here with another team of our whistleblowers who are bringing you the truth about the lies, deceptions, and all of the assaults on our way of life, your freedom, and your life. For such a time as this, we are here to bring you truth, hope, and solutions. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org for medical help, legal help, and all of the other resources. Join us in our Faith Over Fear seminars each Tuesday night via Zoom at eight o'clock Eastern time every week. And now here is your host for today. This is another faith segment. I want to take this moment to thank all of you gracious Truth for Health Foundation donors. Uh, we are mostly supported by small donations from many people, and we thank all of you. We have put those funds to good use, as you know. Uh, so well, we have supported America's finest, uh, a lot of military members in their legal battles against these illegal mandates. So we thank you donors for that. I would just like to uh, petition the audience out there that we are making a big push on the Truth for Health Foundation website uh, for corporate prayer. So anybody out there that feels compelled uh, to participate or even uh, hand over uh, something that's been placed upon their heart, please uh, connect with us on our medicine and ministry page or our Catholics for Preservation of Life. Uh, these two groups actually will be meeting together uh, for the at least the near future. So any uh, corporate prayer that your uh, God puts upon your heart to send forward, go forth and do that. And uh, we are definitely looking for more like-minded Christians to join us. And when I say like-minded, we are Christians of action. We are actually looking to take back our government uh, and put it right as per the Constitution and the way we believe God uh, gave us uh, this divinely inspired document for we, the people. Today's show is going to be really interesting. It's something that I've been thinking about a lot over the last three years. Perhaps you guys have too. I'm going to entitle it Weaponized Compassion. And uh, as the show develops, uh, we'll get into more and more details on it. But I think you can probably understand that over the last three years, compassion was used 
in a weaponized way to uh, conduct many of these mandates. And that's where we're going to go with this. Um, it wasn't until very recently that I actually uh, grabbed this term, <clears throat> weaponized compassion. I had a different name for that, which I'll get into here in a minute. But uh, one thing in the military, and as you as you guys know me, I'm Major Mike Gary, talk about a lot of hazmat uh, stuff and a lot of seaburn, chem, biorad, nuclear. As you know, I'm never on here representing the Department of Defense. I'm always on here representing my own opinions, my own research, my own uh, beliefs. And uh, and over the last three years, it's been an incredible spiritual journey. And uh, one thing in the military that's really important, a good practice, and I would just put this forth to everybody out there, is the military would do these things called after-action reviews, AARs, after-action review, which is essentially just a looking back on the actions you just completed and uh you know testing them what did they do the right thing did they make the right decisions could there have been a better way to do it you know all these questions and it comes down to um uh what the military calls sustain do you sustain what you did or do you improve what you did and you would essentially make a list of things you would sustain and things you would improve about the operation the mission or whatever you just uh conducted and that's one thing I'm compelled to do, especially after the last three years, looking back, uh, because you can't possibly change anything if you don't analyze what you did. If you don't examine what you did or what we did as a nation or what we did as a community or what we did as a state and how you conducted yourself within that. And obviously, uh, with the COVID mandates, lockdowns, there there needs to be a large examination going on. And I feel compelled to do that. And it's certainly my motivation is not to be right on things, even though a lot of my suggestions that I gave at the time are proven to be right. That's not the motivation here. The motivation here is to never allow this to happen again. And that's why I feel it's so important to actually look back, analyze, and, you know, with the intent to change. So these things never happen again. And today's show with weaponized compassion is, is I think this is the lead topic. I think this, to bring it down to a spiritual game here, this is where Satan and the people that line themselves up and uh, under this evil spiritual side this is where they made their most gain in territory if we're talking about like a military game this is where they grabbed the most terrain and it was under the banner of weaponized compassion and uh, before we get started i recently shared this um this verse with a pastor and um again it's you know part of the, the whole examination process but anyway i think it's a good it's a good verse. And then there's a complimentary verse, which I'll give you as well. It's uh, Hosea 4, 6. And I'm reading out of the King James Version here. And uh, it says this, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. 
because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. And then there's a complimentary verse in Isaiah 5.13, and it goes like this. Therefore, my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge, and their honorable men are famished, and their multitude dried up with thirst. And uh, so there's two verses there saying the lack of knowledge. Um, and I shared that recently with a, a pastor friend. And it was kind of referencing that none of us are working off the same sheet of music. None of us are actually seeing the same picture because the window we're looking through are different windows. You know, for example, the mainstream media, the alternative media, you know, we're all getting different information or different knowledge. Uh, and that's why we can't come to an agreement. We can't even look back on uh, past things and agree on them. Even though I think there's the potential for most Americans to agree, whether you're, um, you know, left-leaning, right, right-leaning in the middle, I do believe if we were to see the same picture, there would be more agreement and there would be obviously different decisions uh, made or even when you apply this to voting, different votes cast, right? So, you know, my people suffer for a lack of knowledge, and I think that's prevalent here in the United States. I think this is something that's hurting us extremely bad, you know, and then knowledge here is kind of in a way being used as wisdom. And, and this is something, obviously, if you lack knowledge and wisdom, the ability to wield that knowledge, which is wisdom, then you come down to wrong decisions. And I think this is something that needs to be looked into greatly. I think Christians need to analyze and they need to talk about these things. If they've made mistakes, they just need to come forward and admit that. Repent of it. Turn 180 degrees the other way and go from it. Reject it. And I know in my life I've rejected uh, the things I've done or actions I've done or decisions I've made. I've re thinking that they were 180 degrees wrong. And I've rejected those. And then I've made bold statements uh, in the other direction, which I claim to be a godly direction. So, you know, it's this simple. I do feel that there's Americans in general are under a big denial factor. They don't want to admit <laughs> that they don't want to admit a lot of the stuff they fell for during the COVID three years, which was under the banner of weaponized compassion was wrong. And this is a problem. This is a big problem. And things aren't going to change unless we address the truth of the matter and, and tackle the problem head on. Now, kind of moving on here. Uh, for a long time, I was calling this weaponized compassion virtue, virtue signaling, okay? Which I think is, is a good way to reference it. But but only recently did I come to the term weaponized compassion, which I think is the key phrase to actually make it click in people's heads. So going back to the way I was thinking for several years, let's say three years of COVID, virtue signaling. 
And okay, what does that term mean? Just so everybody understands. So we're working on the same sheet of music here. The public expression of opinions or sentiments intended to demonstrate one's good character or social conscience or the moral correctness of one's position on a particular issue, right? So up here in the Northeast, um, I'm recording this early in the morning up in the Northeast, right? And we find a lot of people who like to brag about things they do. And one of the easiest things that can be seen, it's anything to do with environmentalism or supposedly doing the right thing uh, environmentally, right? Like recycling. You have people that brag about how much they recycle, right? They they go out of their way to explain that they took care of this car, this much cardboard. They they only drive their car so much. Oh, they have an electric car that's good for the environment, right? They they go out of the way to virtue signal. They put their virtues up front and let you brag about them, which is totally not in the spirit of Christianity. But even a lot of Christians partake. I've witnessed this in this and and to to call myself out perhaps i have done this too but i certainly don't make a regular practice of it just to be on the level and not not put myself out there as holier than thou but but in general uh there is definitely a group of people that signal their virtues and when covid came out every big mandate for example six foot distancing right you had that group of, oh, don't come near me. Oh, I'm not coming near you. I'm maintaining the proper distance, six foot, you know, and they would go out of their way to explain that they were following the the law, <laughs> the mandate, the decree, not the law. But anyway, they would uh, set themselves above others, that they were doing the right thing, that they were the epitome of virtue. And then, of course, it got worse as we got into COVID with the masks. Oh, I'm wearing mine to keep you safe, right? That was what you heard a lot. Oh, I'm doing this to keep you safe. So they went out of their way to express their virtue of following these uh, fake rules and to express how much they're taking care of every one of us, even though we may not comply right like i did not comply i'm a hazmat technician i don't wear a, a simple surgical mask to stop my breath from going everywhere because guess what it backfires and throws it all up in the air higher which makes the particulate come back down it it it, it was totally contrary to real science but anyway you get what i'm saying you've heard me talk about that many times but the per point is some people went out of their way to actually condemn others by the this virtue signaling and actually it got worse and worse and worse as we got deeper into covid ultimately leading to um the shots and where the mass was such a visual uh expression of bragging of this virtue the shot people had to go out of the way to say every time they were around new people group oh i'm vaccinated Oh, I got mine. Oh, you know, the unsolicited, unsolicited. Uh, I didn't care to know. I didn't want to know who was uh, vaccinated. Right. But they always went out of their way 
to express that they got this virtue, that they did this virtue and that they were they were on the up and up and they were clear and they were they had achieved that greatness of this new status. So anyway, that was always how I looked at the mandates was virtue signaling. And, uh, you know, and I think it covers it pretty well. But when I discovered this weaponized compassion, this is the way to communicate to Christians that largely fell for the these virtue signaling tactics, which is better expressed as weaponized compassion, because it it took a Christian ideal and twisted it on them. And it because they suffer from a lack of knowledge right? They're not in their scriptures reading how God or considering how God may think about these things. They fell for the one ideal, putting it above all other ideals. So this is a very interesting concept. um, And I want to give credit to the guy that actually, you know, kind of brought this to my attention. It's a YouTuber. His name is Jonathan Peju. Um, so Jonathan, his last name is spelled P-A-G-E-A-U, Peju. And he has a YouTube uh, channel where he's on there and he talks about a lot of things. But this, it was about a 30-minute YouTube that he did on weaponized compassion. I think you could type his name in there and type weaponized compassion and you could go see his uh, discussion on that. It's excellent I highly recommend going there and listen to it. He did it approximately a year ago. And I think he really hit the nail on the head by pointing out what was actually going on. And words words have profound meaning. And I think by just actually being uh, direct right on what happened through the lockdowns and mandates, uh, he it's an easy way to communicate to Christians, how we don't do this again. So he has a very good discussion on this. Go there, listen to him. But I am going to be a little more detailed, like I have been already on the mandate side of this and how this was used to kind of take over our country. Um, So he works out of um, the scriptures of John 12, 1 through 8. Okay. And he goes over that and it's excellent. And I'm going to read that just to put us all on the same page. I'm reading out of the New King James Version here. And this is the uh, section that deals with the anointing at Bethany. Okay. So it starts like this. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with hair, her hair. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it okay so and then reading on i got one more verse here but jesus said okay so this is verse seven but jesus said let her alone she has kept 
this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not always uh, have always. Okay. So I think Jesus Christ puts it right in perspective right there. He laid out a higher order or a, uh, uh, a sequence of events or uh, things that we should do in a, in a correct manner or a priority that worshiping him and being with him while he was there. And I guess we could apply this to our lives being in prayer you know, looking and seeking for God is more important than actually uh, tending to the poor. Okay, now we, the scripture here gives us the intention of Judas. But when it plays out in real life, like authorities uh, putting dictates down or decrees down, for example, the mandates, right? We don't necessarily know their intentions. See, everybody fell for these good intentions out of the gate, thinking that they were pure, that there was real good intention behind these mandates. But that was not the case. The case was that there was money involved, money for all these emergency use authorization products. And that was everything during this time, the PCR test EUAs, the mask EUAs, most of the mask boxes said not for medical use. I don't know if you guys know this or not. And I imagine you do. You, our audience is pretty up to speed, but I would always take the box. If, if it was written there, I would flip it around, circle it in red, not for medical use, right? And then ultimately uh, ending in um, the uh, so-called vaccines, the gene therapy products, which were all emergency use authorization products. So everything was an experimental product in the proper way uh, to state what an EUA is, it uh, may be effective, may be effective. That's how it's classified. Not safe and effective, may be effective, okay? And we largely fell for this over the time and money was involved, just like this Judas. Um, Judas's intention was to collect the money from that perfume instead of using it on his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right, for his burial, which was, you know, when you think about this uh, high-valued oil uh, perfume, what else would you use it for but then the burial for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Well, he would obviously use the excuse to use it for the poor, weaponize compassion so he could line the money bags so he could stick his hand in when nobody was looking and take a cut for himself. And uh, so I think if you use this scripture, you can look back on the last three years. So here's the after action review piece. Take this scripture, apply it to our lives, your life, and look back. Isn't this what happened in a large way? Isn't this, isn't the scriptures a living thing and don't they apply? And can't you see the parallels of just this simple story here and what happened on a massive scale, a global scale? It did. It's the same, same, right? And uh, so I just thought this was extremely awesome that this Jonathan Peju guy pointed it out. And uh, I think he was right on with it 
And uh, before we go to the break, I'm going to share, um, you know, he had commenters to a video and I've, I've learned to, I learn a lot of stuff from commenters on, uh, you know, stories and, and videos and stuff like that. So it's just really good to get other people's perspective. I, and I think this is an important thing for all of us. We should always try to seek perspective from other people and see where the window understand the windows we're looking through or the puzzles why the puzzle isn't quite fitting between agreement between different parties or different people so here's some of the commenters uh and what they said um commenting to his video that he did as i commented on jonathan's last video with paul van der clay anyone familiar with the recovery community knows how compassion can be weaponized to deadly effect. It is called enabling. Okay. Next commenter. This is it. Weaponized compassion is what I have felt for the past two years. We sacrificed our children, our businesses, our bodily autonomy, our freedom, all for compassion. If we don't comply, we are called selfish and punished. Erg, it's been so horrible. Next commenter. Compassion is something freely given, not compelled. Next commenter. Thank you for what you do, Jonathan. You and Peterson have brought me back to Christianity. Interesting one. Next commenter. The kiss of Judas as a symbol of weaponized compassion is brilliant. Okay, so when these come back around, let's remember the kiss of Judas is actually a weaponized compassion. All right, there is something that you can take and put in your toolbox for the next time this comes around. And I do believe there will be uh, another, uh, unfortunately, another opportunity at a pandemic. So that's why I'm doing this show here. That was my motivation is to get this out while I was thinking about it. Get you know, uh, an audio done so that I can go back on it. So if we ever experience another pandemic, and I do know people were really sick in places. Um, so I'm not denying that fact, but overall it was what I call a plague of fear that came upon us. Some people say pandemic, and I, I fully intend if that ever happens again, I will dust off this audio that I've done And uh, we will bring out these verses as our weapons in dealing with weaponized compassion, because that was obviously a weapon that works so well for uh, moving the ball forward and taking our rights as Christians. So we're going to go to a break. And when we come back, I'm going to start with uh, a few more of the commenters, uh, just because it's just great stuff. I, I, I think you probably learned a lot hearing some other people speak besides just me. So I'll rattle off a few more of the other commenters. And then hopefully, if I have time, we will actually compare um, weaponized compassion with real compassion, okay? or the lack of real compassion, and then quickly move into uh, what I call pharmakia or sorcery and how one led to the other. Weaponized compassion led to uh, sorcery. Okay, so that's what we'll do when we come back from the break. Again, you can check out our website at 
uh, truthforhealth.org, www.truthforhealth.org, and check out our resources and all our good information there at the website. All right, we'll be back right after the break. This message is from the Truth For Health Foundation. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam Sigloff, a family medicine physician and a major in the U.S. Army. The following are only my opinions. Service members are being coerced to participate in medical experimentation, with over 7,500 service members being discharged for refusing to participate. Many of them have lost their retirement and medical benefits. There are allegations that the DOD is committing medical fraud, violating the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and violating the constitutional rights of service members. Strong men and women stand ready to defend so that you can sleep peacefully through the night. Now we must stand watch over the military so they can sleep peacefully through the night. Please get involved to help protect the military. This message brought to you by the Truth For Health Foundation. For more information, please visit truthforhealth.org. That is truthforhealth.org. Truth, the word for, health.org. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mike Gary, your host, and we're talking about weaponized compassion. And uh, so hopefully you're enjoying the show so far. And I would just like to draw attention to um, this is a whistleblower report faith segment. And if our website, www.truthforhealth.org, again, that's www.truthforhealth.org, is changing a lot. A lot of recent changes were kind of growing in a lot of ways. And if you go to our website now, you'll see these uh, these audios podcast that we do uh, updated uploaded on the front page there you can scroll down through them and uh, th- we're not just on america out loud anymore we have uh, these posted on our website and again as you know our website is just an abundance of medical and ministry information and uh, that's one thing i chair is the medicine and ministry and there's a separate tab for that where you can go and uh check out what we have for uniting the medicine and ministry in America. Again, we think there's such a uh, vast expanse between uh, what's right and wrong and what we've seen in the last three years uh, between good medical practices and bad medical practices. And we kind of find uh, from our belief that there's a spiritual component there that leads you to decide right and wrong. So anyway, go to our website, check those things out, and we thank you, gracious donors, for helping support this battle for our constitutional rights. Now, before we um, ended on the first half of the show, I was reading through uh, commenters on the Jonathan Peju uh, YouTube channel for the Weaponized Compassion, and uh, I just want to finish up with a few more of these uh, so we can kind of see that we're not all different. A lot of us think uh, the same, okay? And um, this, I th- which I think is part of actually looking back and analyzing or examining our actions over the last three years, we see that we weren't so isolated in our thoughts and our beliefs. And in fact, I do believe the majority of people at one time in America thought that the... Um, mandates were overbearing and unnecessary. I do believe that was a majority of people, but for some reason we weren't able to bring that 
to light to bring that forth and actually do something about it so that's why i feel compelled to actually do something about it now you know to to prepare for the next attempt at weaponizing compassion all right so here's another commenter this one said this is so timely and so good and again this would be a year year and a half ago i realized i'd be doing the this thing weaponizing compassion once i realized what i was doing i named it broken bird syndrome because it was like wanting to fix the broken wings of a birds but it was to get virtue aka virtue signaling it was to feel like a hero and special and significant once i realized it and started to develop other frameworks or mental models for seeing this, I felt so disgusted by it and can see how it plays out in toxic relationships. Whereas sometimes people feel like they love someone, but really they love the idea that they have of a, of a person that then gets overlaid on top of the person. It's like a spirit posing as someone and it's gross. That was a very good comment because this person actually participated in it. And did the right thing, admitted it, and came out of it. So that was awesome. And maybe that helps other people do likewise. That's why I'm reading these comments. I think it's very important to see how people think and feel and what actually wakes them up, right? We're talking about this moment as being a great awakening. Well, you don't get encouraged to be a part of this great awakening if you don't see signs that other people are waking up, right? It's isolating being alone. Here's another commenter. Man, this is amazing and put into words the way I am feeling these days. I used to call it manip manipulation, but weaponized compassion is precisely what is going on. Now, another commenter says, thank you, Jonathan. I've been looking for a good term for this pathology. I couldn't use Ted, Kaczynski, Ted Kaczynski's over-socialized and weaponized compassion fits the bill. During height of the lockdown, a security guard um, tried to stop me bottle feeding my newborn as I hadn't booked uh, the table at the supermarket cafe. I said, well, uh, excuse me. I said, we'll be gone in a few minutes, so chill. Security lady said she was going to call the police on us for everyone's safety. Remember these Remember these uh, escapades, people being arrested, thrown out of stores, rejected, discriminated against for everybody's safety? Okay, carrying on with this commenter. I called her bluff. My son drank his bottle happily, and the woman was getting angry at my smile. I said, call the cops. We have a milk-drinking baby threatening the cafe. I think she got fired as I did a YouTube video about it. It is weaponized compassion, this safety concern, and I, that commenter got cut off. But anyway, you get the idea there that that person continued to feed her baby, got done in a few minutes, and the whole weaponized compassion security guard uh, eventually uh, got to justly handled by the sounds of it. Here's another commenter. says, as a Catholic... I'd like to thank you for articulating the natural order of worship and almsgiving. Worship comes first. This is the most important video 
you have ever made in terms of needful, timely, practical help to the church in this difficult time. Thank you, Jonathan. And the last commenter I have here, this is why God instructs us to keep our good works to ourselves. Pray in our secret place and not seek approval or back padding from the crowd. God says when we seek the crowd, there, there is our reward. This is why we are saved through grace, not works. We fall short every time, and you are correct. It turns into pride. We are uh, compromising our souls for a recognition of our caring for others becoming ill or dying. So anyway, that's the last commenter that I'm going to read. I think with those examples, there was a lot of wisdom given. That certainly by myself, I could not convey. I just think there was so many people coming from many directions and they were able to actually express so many good um, examples during this time. And I think why I'm doing a show on this right now is as of late, and it drives me nuts. This drives me absolutely nuts, but there was a, a current example in, in our church, an older, older lady and her husband, her husband passed away. And I wonder why he passed away. Okay. <laughs> if you get, get my drift out there, right? Because they were doing the right thing. They followed every mandate to a T right. And which I, my belief, my opinion uh, led to this man's early demise. Right. So the, the the wife, the older lady here, said she did the right thing. She got the vaccine, right? Little does she know, and again, it's hard to communicate these things to everybody and for understanding, but the shedding effect is a real phenomenon off these fake vaccines, these gene therapy products. You know, and I would say there's a there's a great uh variants in all the different lots of these gene therapy products, right? Some were extremely dangerous, some a little bit, some were seemed to be saline solutions, so they were nothing, they were placebos. So there's all variation, which leads to it was emergency use authorization product may be effective because you don't have to have good manufacturing practices when you make a EUA product. So it doesn't have to be uniform, right? So this leads us to all the American people that got this thing, which is at least two thirds or three quarters of Americans, uh, have all these different variances of this gene therapy product. And we know, we know it's documented now in many scientific uh, uh, papers that the shedding effect or the transmission of whatever the shot was to other people is a real thing. So this lady who is in church, you know, claims to be a Christian, she did the right thing by getting the vaccine. Little does she know that she may have actually participated in her husband's early demise. And that's the reality here. And who is going to admit that? Who's going to admit that they possibly partook and the um, actually infecting their loved one after they were duped into getting uh, these, following these mandates, ending with the shot. Who's going to admit that? And I think that's a deep-seated denial. 
And, you know, reading through the commenters there, you saw one addressed the pride and arrogance. And I think there's a certain level of pride and arrogance that, that's at play here. You know, Satan was so sneaky and so um, good at getting people, weaponizing compassion and getting pe people to participate. Now we're in this de denial phase and there are people waking up. I'm not I'm not uh, saying there isn't. There are people uh, obviously repenting like that one commenter there we heard in uh, coming out of it. But it's just it's a long road dealing with people's emotions. And when, especially when they feel like they were duped, they keep leaning back on, well, I was right. So as, as we've kind of been talking through this subject, we see that there's kind of a higher order of um, Christian um, task or events or uh, actions. And one thing is worship. We suspended worship. For almost two years in this country, if you think about it, if you follow the mandates as a pastor or a ministry leader or priest, we suspended worship. Now, and again, a lot of pastors didn't follow that and good on them for doing that because there was a higher calling. There was the God's calling that the body of Christ should come together and actually worship. And we see that compassion dwarfed or superseded all other functions in Christianity, which is not, not the correct way. And that's the whole Judas story uh, that Christ is laying out. He's saying the worship of me is more important than compassion on the poor. The poor will always be around, right? You will always be able to do that function, that compassion, actually do that compassion function. But me, I'm not always around. So worship is the highest priority. So I just lay that out there for the audience. Think about it. Uh, that's why we're called to be a body. We're a temple individually of the Holy Spirit, but we're also called to be the body. And there's many parts to the body. They all play a specific role. And even when one part of the body gets hurt, the rest of the members feel it, right? And that's what scripture says. And if you think about it, largely over this country, the body of Christ did not meet. Okay. Um, so moving on, I just want to compare and contrast really quick here as we're kind of running out of time. And I got a few more things I want to develop is that actual compassion is lacking. So we have this fake virtual weaponized compassion that people uh, got outward credit for, but real compassion. And where this is playing a huge role is, is for the vaccine injured. Uh, it's for all the people's families that were affected by remdesivir deaths, uh, ventilator deaths. It's all those families uh, that were affected by these uh, wrong medical practices, 180 degrees wrong medical practices. And there's a deep denial, deep-seated denial on dealing with and changing that in the medical communities having an extreme spiritual battle, extreme lost, lost their identity. I mean, the people in the know know not to go to a hospital, that they do the opposite of what they're supposed to. They they lead to 
more hurt and more pain and more and possibly more death than helping and healing, you know. And so that's a this is where this country is suffering from actual compassion. We got vaccine injured. Also, we have the group of uh, which seems to be mostly devout Christians and, uh, you know, devout Jews and devout Muslims, I would say, fit in this bill. But it's largely devout Christians who would not put the gene therapy product in their body because of the child sacrifice piece, the hex cells, human embryonic kidney cells, whether it was uh, actually um, tested in them only or actually grown uh, large scale in them. We wouldn't participate in it. And this group, which I find myself in, is largely uh, been discredited and not allowed back into society to actually work and make money. It's not 100%, but at least the area I'm in, there's a lot of us that are suffering financially because, uh, you know, uh, people see us as, um, you, you know, just obstinate people. We just went against the mandates, the weaponized compassion mandates, because it was just our pride and our arrogance why we did it. Well, no, no, it was quite the other purpose. It was just scientifically not right. And there was a, a extreme, um, you know, religious side to this that everybody overlooked and like in the military you see they just mass rejected everybody's religious exemption packets and they did this in the hospitals and nurses uh doctors experienced this emergency medical services large some large corporations so we see this and there's a very there's a lack of actual compassion for people that have been hurt families that have been hurt divided these these uh, weaponized compassion mandates have divided families. Um, so there's a lack of dealing with these uh, divisions that we have in families. <laughs> I mean, I know a brother. I, I have a friend who is a brother, and him and his sister are divided, and there is no communication between them. My friend uh, was very much like-minded when it comes to the mandates, did not follow them. But his uh, his sister was a, a virtue signaler and, you know, expressed the fact that she followed these weaponized compassion mandates to protect him and his family. Right. Because he wasn't going to do it because he was being obstinate. But she would do she would go above and beyond. And there's the bragging, the pride and arrogance. Well, this sister now has a child that has neurological problems. And can you guess why? Because they followed every mandate to a T. So why does her daughter have neurological problems? Why do so many people have children now that are developing issues like myocarditis? Never heard the word three years ago, but it's a common word now. Uh, cardiac arrest in children? I mean, it's crazy. How, how do we get back out of this? You have to accept when you made a mistake. And I think that's the grace of God. He allows that. He allows you to, you know, come forward, repent, turn away from your sinful ways and come back. But there, this country largely is having a problem with doing that. They're having a problem with accepting the wrong. And I think this is one of Americans' um, deep-seated evils is we're prideful and arrogant as a people, and I'm not saying all of us, 
And again, I have my moments probably where I am, but largely because because I follow Christ's word and try, attempt to be Christ-like, I try not to operate in that. And I think that's where the intention really comes in of, do you really attempt to do this? Do you really attempt to uh, follow God's word? And if you do, and actually put it to practice and application, you, you will find, you will admit things and just come out of it. Just like many pastors or large uh, religious leaders have, some even said, well, Jesus would take the vaccine. Oh, those people need to come out in a public way and repent because they misled many. They misled many. Theirs is a public repentance. You think about it. That's what God requires is, you know, depending on your level of authority that he gave you, you may have a different level of repentance if you think about it. And, you know, religious leaders definitely fit that bill. So uh, moving on. Um, we're running out of time, but I want to draw this uh, comparison here real quick. Is um, the body of Christ, and if you go to Proverbs 27, it's um, and starting with verse 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And that's a very important thing. We gave that up largely by shutting down our congregations. And later on, um, it says... It says in the the same proverb, I'm looking here real quick. It says, um, starting with uh, verse 22, it says, Thou you grind a fool in a mortar with a pestle along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from you. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds, for riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations and uh, so you know pastors or leaders religious leaders need to tend to their flocks they needed to keep their churches open they needed to find another way they, to tend to their uh to their congregations that was a very important thing and lot, lots of them still took the tithe but didn't do anything so anyway they need to repent of that that's a big thing um so moving on um into first samuel 28 and I'm not going to have time to read the scripture here. Okay, but as we know, with this weaponized compassion, which was Satan's number one weapon, his most successful weapon over the last three years, it led to what I've already been talking about, these, these fake vaccines, these genetic, genetically modified products, gene therapy products. So, Saul, when... Uh, Samuel had delivered a message from the Lord to him to go uh, take out the Amalekites, uh, to wipe them out, to take them all out, right? Uh, Saul did not do that. So he, he participated in a sacrifice to the Lord over actually being obedient to the Lord. The Lord told him to take those people out. He did not do that. And he so he goes and participates in sacrificing of some of the animals to the Lord. Uh, so again, God lays out a uh, an higher order of events or tasks that should have been followed. And obedience to the Lord was, you know, number one in that story, which Saul did not follow. 
And then, so he uses his weaponized compassion in a way on the, the king of the Amalekites. I think his name was Agag, if I remember correctly. Don't quote me on that. But he spares Agag's life. Okay, or the king of the Malachites, and does not do that. So what happens is Samuel tells him that, you know, the Lord is going to leave him, and Saul suffers from that. And of course, David would be the new anointed king and whatnot. But Saul would actually turn to mediums or or summoning a sorcerer. And in the book of Revelation, um. Let's see here. Revelation 18, which is titled, which is not inspired scripturally, but the finality of Babylon's fall. It talks about uh, for your merchants were the great men of the earth for by your sorcery, all nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and saints and of all who were slain on earth. So we see Saul summoning a medium which is sorcery and the greek word for that is pharmakia say it means the same thing sorcery pharmakia which is where we get our modern word pharmacy so in this show today hopefully you see how a christian ideal right of compassion can be twisted 180 degrees and weaponized against the good people you know people that want to do good and spun to lead to such an evil thing, you know, sorcery, pharmakia in the Greek. And that's how people can be deceived. And I think discernment, and that's probably something Americans need to pray for is discernment in a large way to, to discern and have wisdom to actually deal with the tax of Satan because he's sneaky. He's a liar the father of lies. And that's what we see first in the garden, right? So thank you for uh, listening to this program today. Hopefully you found this extremely helpful and that we can pull this out again if we ever see another uh, event or pandemic or plague of fear on the rise. I will pull this out, dust it off and, and be more clear and concise on what needs to happen. Uh, but hopefully this is a good uh, look back and examination. I thank you to the donors. Sign up to give donations as your donations have helped many across the nation. Go to our website, www.truthforhealth.org. That's www.truthforhealth.org. Join our crusade. We are silent no more. Sign up for our email alerts and check out all our resources that we provide from medical advice to ministry help and constitutional right information. Thank you, and goodbye for now, and this is Mike Gary signing out.